If you were unable to be with us last week, we are in Matthew chapter 5, and we are uh, coming out of the Beatitudes. Last week we looked in verse 13, and we spent our time uh, understanding what salt was in Jesus' day and why he calls us salt of the earth. This morning we're going to turn our attention to verses 14 through 16 as we look at what Jesus says about us as light. Uh, as we mentioned last week, these two statements, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, these are emphatic statements. Jesus has given us identifiers. He's using these metaphors to identify who we are as his followers, as his people, as his representatives. So when it says emphatic, I, I mean, it's not Jesus saying you should be or you could be or I command you to be. He's saying this is who you are right now. You are salt and you are light. And this morning we're going to be understanding what in the world light is. Um, Jesus, being God in the flesh, would know how God has identified light throughout Scripture. And so what we're going to do this morning um, is we're actually going to walk from Genesis to Revelation, and we're going to see how God has identified light. So we know when Jesus says, you are the light, we are that identity. We are what God has already declared light to be. Uh, but our main passage is going to be 14 through 16. So as we walk from Genesis to Revelation, I don't want you to freak out. We're actually going to go pretty quickly through this. It's going to be a, a, an overview. Uh, we'll come back to our passage, and we'll walk through what Jesus is saying. But first, we have to understand what is this light that we are. So God's Word says in verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And let's pray together before we walk through this. Father, thank you so much that you have given us salvation, that you have given us a love that we do not deserve, a forgiveness and a grace and a mercy that we do not deserve. And you are continually faithful to us, even in times when we are unfaithful to you. Father, I pray in this moment that you would be glorified. That we would bring you glory by being in your word and allowing your voice to speak to our hearts, to understand who we are being called to be and how you identify us now in this world. We ask your forgiveness where we have failed you, where we have been outside of your will, where we have not submitted to your authority or to your word. We ask your forgiveness if we have not worshipped you in spirit and truth. And Father, by your grace and your mercy, we come into your throne room that we might receive more grace and find your kindness. I ask you to push me out of the way, Lord. I do not have your wisdom. I do not know what needs to be said to every individual here. But Lord, I praise you that you know all of our hearts. You know those who are here who belong to you and those who are here who are seeking after you. And trying to understand what it is to be a Christian, what it is to be your child. So allow your spirit just to transform us, to mold us, and make us more into your image. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak to those individuals who have yet to find salvation. That they would understand that. And they would respond to this incredible gift that you've given us all. Again, let your will be done, your kingdom come in all of our lives. And be glorified in this moment. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So you are the light of the world. We broke this up because when I began looking at salt and light, you know, I, we could have done this all in one Sunday, but you would have been here for a while. Uh, when I began seeing what God said about salt, 
And then what God says about light, I knew we had to take our time and we had to break it up. God says a lot about light. And so when Jesus says that you are the light of the world, he is taking what God has already said about light and he's applying it to us. And so we're going to walk through this because light is used physically and metaphorically all throughout Scripture. And so the first thing we're going to look at is in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1 is where we're first introduced to light. In Genesis 1, verse 2 through 4, it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And just in these two verses, we can learn a lot about light and our identity that Jesus is speaking over us. It was by God's power and by God's authority that God created light, and therefore light only exists because of God. And how that helps us is if someone does not have God, if someone is not in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, they are eliminated as being light. And so if you're here this morning, Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior. Jesus is not calling you light. You are still in the darkness according to Scripture. Our identity as light is based upon our relationship with God. And the New Testament affirms that God created light. It says in James chapter 1 that God is the Father of lights. We're also told in the New Testament in 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 that God is light. And so our identity as light is to represent the Father. God says that you are light because he created light. And when God created us as his children, the Bible says he created us into a new creation, meaning that we were once in darkness, but now we are a new creation, which is light. The second thing from Genesis that we learn about light is that light is good, right? We all like light. A couple of weeks ago, we had the power go out during Wednesday Night Live, and there were some kids who were in the back of the church where there were not emergency lights. And as soon as the power went off, just panic of screaming happened. And you could hear it throughout the church because it echoed down the hallways. And then all you hear is a pitter-pattering of feet running down the hall to where there was light. We understand as parents, light is good. And this is what God is saying is that because we are in Christ, we are the light. Therefore, we are now also good, even in those times we don't feel like we're a very good person. But our identity as light then is to produce good fruits through good deeds. The Bible says in 1 Peter, the world is to see our good deeds and therefore glorify God. In the book of James, we're told genuine faith produces good works. This is done by being the light and shining into the darkness. Next thing we see right here in Genesis is that God made a distinction between light and darkness. This distinction will carry out throughout Scripture. As, the, as Scripture says that we are now light, and light is representation of what is good, also what is righteous, and darkness is a representation of what is evil and wicked and sinful. In the Gospel of John chapter 1, we're told concerning Jesus that in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. As light, Jesus is telling us here in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14, that our identity as light is to be separated from this world, which is covered in darkness. We see the example of this when we go to the book of Exodus. When you come to the ninth plague in the book of Exodus, God sent darkness over the land of Egypt. Egypt is a representation in the Old Testament of people who are opposed to the authority of God and do not worship Him. 
But we're also told concerning the ninth plague that all the people of Israel had light where they lived. See, right there in Exodus, God makes a distinction between his people and the people of this world through light. As light, we are to be different. We're to be separated. Turning back to the creation count, on the fourth day of creation, in verse 14 of chapter 1 of Genesis, it says, light, God created lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate day from night and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and years. As light, we see once again that we are to be separated from the darkness, but we are also to shed light on understanding our times. Our identity as light is to give understanding to the times we live in through the Word of God. We have to begin interpreting things as God's people through God's Word. Not through Facebook or social media or through news. Those are all man's interpretation of what is going on in the world. But God has given us insight on how we are to understand everything that is happening in this world as we edge closer and closer to when Jesus returns. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your, eyes is he- if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of, what's the word? Light. This is speaking about seeing things clearly through the Word of God, which then makes us a beacon of light into the world. So again, we have to begin interpreting things through God's Word in order to understand this world. Moving back to Exodus, when God's people were brought out of Egypt, God led them by a cloud during the day, but during the night, it says in Exodus 13, He led them in a pillar of fire to give them Light, you're all going to catch on. This is, you can say light when I do this now, okay? To give them our identity as light, then therefore, is to guide people to God. To take them to where God is leading us, which is ultimately into his glory. And we do this because God has given us his spirit inside of us, and he's given us his very word. God is in all of creation, So we can use all of creation as light to point people to God and where God is leading. God is ultimately making his way to the final days when Jesus Christ will return, praise the Lord, and his full glory will be on display. And you know what it says about God's glory when it's on display? You know how it titles it? Light. As God's people, we are the light pointing people to God and preparing them for final judgment. Throughout the Bible, when you read from the Old Testament even into the New Testament, it was a custom for people to travel only when it was? Why? Because it was safer. You know, it was dangerous times when you traveled. You didn't have cars that you lock. You didn't drive things. You would go out on roads where there were bandits and robbers and murderers and thieves. And so they would always wait until morning light before setting out on their travels. It was safer, but also they could see better. So our identity as light is to point people to the safe refuge that we have found in Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us those who are not found in Christ are living under the wrath of God. They're still living in darkness, but we have Christ. And the Bible says in 1 Peter that we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so our duty, our responsibility as light is to shed light on the peace that we now have with God found only in Jesus Christ. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 13, 3, O Lord my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. 
Our identity as light is to light up the eyes of those who are still sleeping in sin. Throughout the book of Psalms, light is equated with righteousness, grace, truth, and being in the presence of God. So as light, we are to live righteously. We are to live in grace, and we are to give grace. We are to live by the truth, and we are to abide or remain in the presence of God through Jesus Christ. Turning to the book of Proverbs, light is synonymous with the Word of God and the commands of God. Therefore, our identity as light is to be obedient to the Word of God. When you turn into the book of Ecclesiastes, we're told light is sweet. The word sweet can also be read as pleasant. That's Ecclesiastes 11.7. It means our identity as light is to be sweet. That should be simple. Don't be a jerk. Don't be rude to people. The Bible commands us in numerous places that we are to live peaceably with all people. It does not tell us who we get to choose to live peaceably with. We have to be peaceable with all people, the people we don't agree with, the people that are hard to get along with. To be sweet means as light. We cannot be gossipers. We cannot be prideful. We cannot be slanderers, liars, backstabbers, or people who belittle others who are also made in God's image. As light, we are called to call out sin and shine light into the darkness, but we're also told to do it with all meekness and with all patience. Turning to the prophet Isaiah, light is a term that is used for one who is walking with the Lord and is continually in his presence and is living righteously according to the Lord's commands. Our identity as light, you are the light, is to walk with God. The book of Isaiah also uses light as a symbol of Jesus Christ coming to bring salvation to God's people in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The book of Isaiah also uses light, light or the lack of light as a symbol of God's judgment having arrived or set to come. Our identity as light is to proclaim God's salvation in Christ. This is the only way an individual can escape God's judgment. They have to be found in Christ. They can't just be a good person. They can't give away a massive amount of fortune. They have to be found in Christ. That's it. That's the only way to escape. And we know that truth because that light has hit our hearts. In the New Testament, Matthew, he pulls from the book of Isaiah, Matthew chapters 4, to declare the beginning of Jesus' ministry as a great... You wonder if I was going to do it again, didn't you? As a great which people have been dwelling in darkness, have now seen. Here in Matthew, pulling from Isaiah, light is describing salvation. As the light, we are God's agents of salvation. In Matthew chapter 10, we're told the things of God are revealed to us in secret so that we might proclaim in the... What that means is when we get into God's Word in our quiet time, in our personal Bible study time, when you gather in small groups or in whatever you call it, family groups, what do you call them, life groups now? Whatever you call it, when you gather in those moments and get into God's Word, and God proclaims a truth to your heart, it's not for you to keep in secret, but you are to proclaim it in public. Not just to other church people, but to people of this world, so they might understand and see light. For this reason, Isaiah says, as God's people, we are to be a light for the nation, that's Isaiah 42, 6, which is probably the text that Jesus is pointing to when he says that you are the light of the world. Isaiah says God is to be our everlasting light. That phrase means a continual reliance on God. So our identity as light 
is to rely on God for all things. Our employer doesn't provide for us. Our government doesn't provide for us. Our bank accounts, retirements, none of that's what provide for us. God is our provider. He gives us all things. All good things come from God. Turning to the book of Daniel, it uses the term light to speak of truth and wisdom concerning spiritual things. So our identity as light is to speak truth and wisdom. This can only be done when we speak the word of God. We turn to the prophet Hosea. He uses light as a metaphor of judgment, implying just as light cannot be stopped or held back, so God's judgment is not going to be stopped or held back. It's eventually going to come to fruition for all people. And so our identity as light is to be aware of God's coming judgment. We must be aware that the days are coming when Jesus Christ will return, and he is going to take us home. I think sometimes we forget about that as we live in this world and bombarded by all this junk So we have to proclaim the gospel. Again, if someone is not found in Christ, when Christ returns, he's going to look at them and say, I never knew you. Away from me. We must be people who are living in hope and reverence that one day, all the things of this world is going to fade away. And the sad reality is there are people in our life, if they're not in Jesus, they're going to fade away as well. We're going to come into the New Testament now. In the Gospel of Mark, light is used as a metaphor of hidden sins and secrets being revealed in Mark 4.22. Our identity as light is to call sin for what it is. The Gospel of Luke reveals salvation as a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The Gospel of Luke also tells us that believers we are now sons or children of light. We're told in the Gospel of John that people of this world will hate the light because it shines on their sinful ways. This passage originally speaking of Jesus Christ, but now Jesus, who is the light of the world, says to us, what? You are the light of the world. He gives us that identity. It reveals that now this is why people are going to hate believers. This is why this world is going to churn on believers. We aren't to see things anymore as light. We are not to see things anymore as social issues. Okay, These are God issues. God has already given us information on how we are to view these things. So we look in the world and we say, okay, this is either sinful or this is righteous. This is either according to God's word or it is not. Even though the world may permit certain things, we have to be able to recognize it and call it out if God does not permit it. Jesus declared in John chapter 8 that I am the light of the world. He is the original light, and now that we belong to him, he says that you are the light. So our identity as light is to be the example and reflection of Jesus. In the book of Acts, God declared to Paul that he was to be a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. The calling here is to point people to the presence of God, to righteousness and to truth, and to open their eyes so they could see the spiritual condition they were in before a holy God. And now that we have accepted Christ, God says, you are the light. You are to point people to truth so they understand their spiritual condition that needs to be changed. In the book of Romans, we're told in chapter 13, verse 12, So then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. That armor of light that we're to put on means we are to put on Christ. We are to wear Jesus so that he is visible for all to see. Our identity as light is to cast off the things of this world and to wear Jesus. Turning to 2 Corinthians, we're told as believers not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers because there's no fellowship between light and light. In darkness, our identity as light is remain unstained from this world. 
Also in the book of 2 Corinthians, we're told that sometimes Satan will disguise himself as an angel of light. Meaning Satan, which we can see right now what he's doing, he will deceive people into thinking that something is good when it actually is not because God has not declared it good. So our identity as light is to perceive what is of God and what isn't God. And the only way we can do that is if we're in the Word of God. The book of Ephesians describes our salvation and relationship with God as being brought into the light in the Lord. And therefore we are to walk as children of the light, Ephesians 5, 8. Our identity as light is to abide in Christ. The Bible says that if we are not abiding in Christ, we can't do anything. Philippians tells us that we are shine as lights in the world. That's Philippians 2.15. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5 declares that we are children of the light because we are not of the night or of the darkness. Our identity is light is to be bold and bright. This goes back to what Jesus is saying in, in Matthew in our passage. It is that we are to not be hidden. It is absurd and unbeneficial to hide light because light is meant to be lit and shine into the darkness. It's meant to be useful. The book of 1 Timothy tells us in chapter 6, verse 16, that Christ shall appear in the last days and he dwells in an unapproachable light, which is to speak of Christ's complete glory and holiness, which we cannot fathom in our, on this side of eternity, but we must set our hearts and minds upon. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says that our salvation was an act of God who called us out of the darkness into His marvelous light, which speaks that He's called us into His presence. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says God is... See, you didn't know what I was going to do again. you got to pay attention today. God is... And in Him no dark, is no darkness at all. 1 John also tells us when we walk with Jesus in the light, it creates fellowship with other believers. Our identity as light is to remain in fellowship with Christ, to abide in Him, but also with our eternal family. Whereas walking or living in darkness, according to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, causes a breach in fellowship with God and believers. 1 John also tells us our relationship with fellow believers reveals whether or not we are actually light or if we're still living in the darkness. Finally, we come to the book of Revelation. Didn't think we could do a whole Bible in a matter of 15 minutes, did you? But in the book of Revelation, it is the glory of God which is going to give light to the eternal Jerusalem, which is our eternal home. One day as a believer, if you've got nothing else to praise God for in this moment, one day as a believer... We are going to be completely engulfed in God's presence. Just think about that for a second. As we struggle to seem today, as we struggle with questions today about what is he doing, why isn't he doing something, when is he going to do something, God has promised us in his word that one day we are going to be engulfed in his complete presence where all things will be visible. There will be no more sin. There will be no more wickedness. There will be no more pain. And so our identity as light is to point to our eternal home, which we have only because of Jesus Christ. Now, I wanted to do this because, as you can see, Scripture says a lot about light. And so when Jesus says in verse 14, you are the light of the world, he's not making a small statement. He's not just making a flamboyant remark. He knows the Word of God. He knows how God defines light, and he now says, that's who you are. You're the light. And so this has a great significance throughout Scripture, throughout God's Word. 
And now that we know the definition of light, we can see how Jesus defines us as light and how we can be it. It's significant to understand light through Scripture because when God's Word defines light, this is why Jesus is able to say in verse 14, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. God has saved us. He has set us apart so we might shine light and truth to people who are still living in darkness as we once were. He has changed our identity. He has removed our sins from us, and he calls us to shine so others may experience the same thing. We have several reasons for cities to be built on a hill. One of the main reasons was for defensive purposes. You have to keep in mind, in this day and age, there were armies and empires that would attack one another. And so for a city to be on a hill, it would have a defensive purpose. As the light that cannot be hidden, we are the last line of defense for some people in their eternal destination. We need to realize that there are people in our life that God has put in our life as our mission field. There are people in your life right now that I as a pastor will never be able to reach because they won't give me the time of day, but they trust you. They give you their ear. I'm never going to be able to reach them, but God has put them in your life. And so you're their last line of defense. You're their last line of defense between heaven and hell. You're that city that's on a hill. Another city reason a city would be on a hill would be visible for travelers so they could see where they should be going and know where to go. To be a traveler during this day was dangerous at times. And you didn't want to travel at night because it, it, made you, uh, it, made, it didn't make you safe. And so when the sun began to set as you were a traveler going on the roads, you would look out onto the hills and you could see these cities, these places of refuge, these places of safety. And as a light, as a city on a hill... We are to be places of refuge to this world which is hurting and is in danger of falling further away from God. No doubt the image that Jesus' original audience would have gone to when he says a city on a hill cannot be hidden would have been the city of Jerusalem. In Scripture, sometimes Jerusalem is referred to as Mount Zion. It sat on an elevated hill. Matter of fact, when you read through the Gospels, you'll see sometimes it says, and they went up to Jerusalem because it was on an elevated place. In part, that was God's planning. God told his people where to build this city and where he was going to be, have his temple and where they were going to worship. In other parts, it was because God's people failed to live according to God's law. And so you look through the Old Testament, and even after the New Testament is completed, Jerusalem has been destroyed numerous times. And what they did in that day, they would rebuild the city on top of the ruins. So you may hear of excavations going on in Jerusalem where they find city streets underneath the current city. They find homes, they find all these things. That's because they just kept rebuilding on top of the ruins. And it made Jerusalem even more elevated. But this is a great image for us. In order to be the light, we must be destroyed to ourselves. In order to be the light that God is calling us to be, we must destroy our sinful nature. The book of Romans in chapter 12 says that we are to be living sacrifices. The image is of us dying to ourselves daily so we might live for Christ. Christ used a little more brutal phrase. He said that we're not worthy to be his followers unless we die to ourselves and take up our cross. The image is of being destroyed so that we might be the light that people see and we point the way to God. It says John the Baptist say we must decrease and he must increase. 
Then in verse 15, what Jesus does is he takes this idea of light and he makes it more intimate. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So we started as a light of the world. We started as a city on a hill, and now we come into a home. In this day, a home was a one-building or one-room building, not like what we have today, you know, three bathrooms, four bedrooms, kitchen, living room, family room, one room. And all the family slept in there, and all the family ate in there. And when you had fellowship on your home, you went in there. The only way to get out was to go up on the roof. You're still technically at home, but that was the way you get out. So up on the roof, they would go, and they would pray, and they would meditate, and they would be in God's Word. But everyone's together. And so they would take this lamp, and they would set it in the middle of the room. That way it could give light to the entire home. And the image of verse 14 and 15 is that there is no such thing as a secret Christian. There is no such thing as a Christian who can remain in hiding. As light, we are to be visible. Hear that again. As we are to be visible. But then verse 15, what Jesus does is he takes this huge concept of light of the world and cities on a hill and reminds us that we aren't missionaries simply because we go to another country or to another place where we may not know people, but we are to be the light and on mission to those we are in close relationship with. We're a light in a home. You're a light to the people at your work. You're a light, students, to people at school. You're a light to your co-workers and your peers. You're a light to your family. And then in verse 16, Jesus says it isn't just about being a light in a big setting. And it isn't about being in a setting with people that we're even close to in being the light. But you are to be a light, verse 16, before others. And he makes no distinction of who these others are because as God's people, we're always to be light. He says we do this by revealing good works in verse 16. The Bible teaches in the book of Ephesians that we are saved by faith, and faith is a gift of God. And this is amazing. So we're saved by faith, but God gives us the faith in order to be saved. And Ephesians tells us that it's nothing by we can do. We do not have the good works in us to earn this salvation. It is a gift. It is grace. It is mercy. Meaning if you're here this morning and you're without Jesus Christ, you can't do enough good things to get to God because he's gifting you salvation. He's gifting you the faith to believe in Jesus Christ. But then Ephesians goes on to teach us that even though we don't work for salvation, to keep salvation or earn salvation, it says in Ephesians 2.9 that we are saved or we have salvation for good works. And good works are the things which come out of our life, which is visible, it's the light, it's the way we live, it's the way we talk, it's the way we act and react, and these good works are all to bring glory to God. Ephesians tells us it is good works which we should walk in, which means that we should live in and produce these good works. So as light, we are to be agents of good. Coming back to, the, to Matthew in our passage, Jesus says light that we are and the light that we produce are the good works which the world is to see in us. But here's the thing. It isn't so people can look at us and see us doing good things like, wow, you're a good person. Or, wow, you're a really good Christian. 
or you're really faithful, you're a really good church member. Jesus says these good works that we do, look at it in verse 16, is to give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As light, it's not about us because we didn't have light without Jesus. And so now that we are light, we are to bring glory to God the Father. This means that everything we do, everything we say is to be a billboard of God's glory. As the light, we are God's walking advertisement for His glory. We're for His love and His grace and His mercy. Right here, God gives us a purpose as a Christian that we are saved, yes, and that means we have an eternal home in heaven that nothing can separate us from. We have eternal life. We have complete forgiveness. But to be a Christian is to live a life which glorifies the Father. This is the purpose of every believer. This is the purpose of every church. And we can only do this when we point to the light who is Jesus Christ. And we continue to keep our light lit and shine our light into the darkness by remaining or abiding in Christ. We reflect His glory. Finally, the word light is attached to revelation. The word revelation means a deeper understanding of God or an understanding previously we were without. As the light of the world, as the light in our homes, as the light to people that God brings into our life, we are to reveal an understanding of God's love for all people. God loves all people. It doesn't matter skin color. It doesn't matter sexual affiliation. It doesn't matter confusion they may have. God still loves them. And so as light, we're to reveal God's love for them because this world is living without that knowledge. That's why it's so angry. They don't understand there's a God who loves them and has created them for a purpose. But maybe that's where you are here this morning. In our passage, verse 16, Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the first time in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus uses that phrase, your Father. Now Israel, the Jewish people, had that understanding of God as their Father, but they didn't use it the way Jesus did. Jesus used it in a way of intimacy, a way of being close with the God who created all things and created I did two hands, that by three off, right? But maybe you're here this morning and you're not able to call God your Father. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you don't have Christ living in your heart, so you're not the light. You're still in the darkness. And God loves you. And you may think you need to clean up your act or get things together or anything like that. No, 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 no. Let God do that work in you. Right now, all God does is open up the invitation to accept forgiveness for your sins and receive salvation. And then God will do a good work in you, which will produce the good works to glorify God. See, God created for you for a relationship with him. It's your sins that are separating you from God. It's your sins. And you can't remove that sin problem on your own. You have no power to. And that's why God sent Jesus Christ to be the light of the world and to shine into the darkness. He died for the sins of the world. He died on a cross, which we sing about. They placed him in a tomb, and he rose again to show that he has power over sin and death. And the Bible says when we believe that God loves us that much, that Jesus Christ would die for us and rise again to forgive us our sins and to give us salvation, to gift it to us. The Bible says if we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, confess that we need that forgiveness, 
then we shall be saved and God will bring us into his marvelous light. And he will be your father. If you're here this morning and you've yet to accept Jesus Christ, I'm going to invite you to come down and say, Pastor Mike, I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. But maybe you're here, as a lot of us are, and have already made that decision for Jesus. We've already accepted that gift. Are you a light pointing people to God? Are you a light bringing God glory? I know we're not always going to do it right. Paul it talks about how he wrestles with the things he knows he shouldn't do and the things he knows he should do. There's going to be times we stumble. There's going to be times we're going to make mistakes and we're not going to bring God glory. But is that our goal? To bring glory to the Father. Here's the beauty thing about it, because this seems huge when we start unfolding light. God says in his word, as his people, he has given us his spirit, which empowers us to do all things to life and godliness. So he's given us everything we need. So how brightly have we been shining? I'm going to ask Nick to come up and lead us in invitation. If you need to come and kneel before the Father as his child, to ask for his forgiveness, I'm going to invite you to come and kneel. If you need to come and accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to come down and say, Pastor Mike, I want to be saved. How do we do this? We'll celebrate together. We'll pray together. It'll be awesome. Let's pray together, and then it's time to respond. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this huge task you've given us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, and then empowering us to do that and giving us your word so we might do that. Forgive us, Lord, if we've tried to hide sometimes. If we've not lived out our faith and our conviction and what your word says pertaining to what this world believes. But let us shine into the darkness so that people might come into your marvelous light as we have. But I thank you for saving me. I thank you for saving my brothers and sisters in Christ who are gathered in this room. But Lord, if there's someone here this morning, your spirit is speaking to their heart about beginning a relationship with you found only through Jesus Christ and finding forgiveness for their sins and eternal life. If I pray in this moment they would walk down the aisle and let that be known. We want to give you all the glory for you alone are worthy of it. We pray this in Jesus' name, our Lord and Savior. Amen.